Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We share our stories to encourage and equip each other to live out our faith in Jesus. We are so glad you're here. When I talk with Christy Dodds and Christine Bember, it is obvious that discipleship is one of their favorite things. They're also quick to share how much they've been influenced by both their mentors and their mentees. They've seen God's healing, encouragement, freedom, and much more through these relationships. And they have no plans to stop discipling or being discipled anytime soon. Here's our conversation. Hi, I'm Kathy, and I'm here with my friends, Christy Dodds and Christine Bember, and we are going to talk today about discipling. I know that for me, one of the things that has been incredibly influential in my life is those people who have discipled and mentored me. And so I love every podcast, but I'm especially excited about this episode. And I want to take just a minute to let you get to know these friends. Christy, I recently found out, loves to garden and has been telling me today all about her garden. And so Christy, may be from your garden or maybe not, but what is a little something lately that has brought you joy? I love to be outside, period. And so um, one of my favorite things is to be out in my neighborhood, walking or jogging. And yesterday, I just had the chance to chat with a neighbor that I don't get to see very often. And I have a really neighborly neighborhood. And so it was just fun to have that moment with her. It really brought me joy. I love that. I love that. Well, Christine, we were also talking about earlier, and actually, she just had a daughter this past year. And truly, one of the things I was most wondering about is, is Brooklyn going to grow up to be a Dodger fan or an Astros fan? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely 100% a Dodger fan. (laughs) My husband would not agree with me, but... (laughs) But he's not on this podcast. No, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, she's going to be a Dodger fan. Yes. 100%. But yeah, she's so fun. So tell us, Christine, what is a little something that's brought you joy lately? Well, on that same vein, it's my daughter turned seven months yesterday, and she's just at such a cute age that I feel like this is the total cheesy new mom answer, but she's she just learned how to clap, and it is so cute. She'll just sit there with her one-tooth little grin and clapping, and it's just hard to stay in – it's hard to be in a bad mood when you're around her because she just makes you smile and feel good about yourself, and it's so joyful. So I would say that's probably my answer every day to that question. I love that. I love that. Well, as I said, we are going to talk about discipling, and we may also use the word mentoring to refer to that. In some contexts, people will differentiate between them, which is great and useful at times. But just for us today, we are going to talk about discipling and mentoring, perhaps as synonyms, just for those people that have enabled us or helped us walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I would love to maybe start for you at the beginning or who were some of the early people who discipled you or when did you first get to experience being discipled? I think for me, my first experience with discipleship was in college. I was involved with crew and was discipled by a precious single gal who invited us into our home, her home um, at like 6 a.m. on Mondays, which was looking back like we were committed because we were there bright and early Monday mornings. Um, And it was just a really great time for me to grow. I had not, um, I'd come to the Lord in middle school, but had not really grown until college. And she just poured into me consistently. I mean, someone that is still, um, that I'm in contact with still today. So 
precious woman? Mine was also in college. Uh, it was similar. It, I was involved with Young Life, and I was at a school in California before I moved here. And I started helping lead Young Life at the high school that I went to. And the woman who was married to the area director, she invited me and a couple of the other female leaders over, and we did a Bible study. And that was the first time someone had sat down and showed me how to study the Bible, how to read scripture and apply it to my life. And I mean, I had been around, I went to a Christian school, I had been around scripture my whole life, but had never really had someone show me this is how to walk with Jesus in your own relationship with him. And so that was really the first time that I got to see that modeled, got to see that in her home with her family, with her kids, and was really welcomed into that. And that was what made me really want to start to make it my own and grow more in my own personal relationship with the Lord and just really took off from there. I love that you said it took off from there Mm -hmm. and that was really influential for you. And I know I have some of the people who first discipled or mentored me, but it didn't stop with just that first person. Mm -hmm. And it's looked different, at least in my life over the years. And I've learned a variety of different things from different people who've Mm -hmm. discipled and mentored me. So kind of taking it a step further as you reflect, not just on that first experience, but what has it looked like in different seasons over the course of your life? Or what are some of the things that you have learned over the years? I think for me, I have definitely been a part of more like formal discipling or mentoring, like through the women's mentoring here at Christ Chapel. Um, I've had women that have walked with me in that. I've had less formal women that I've just asked to mentor me along the way um, for short or long seasons. But I think even now, it's a lot of different women with doing different things in my life. It's mostly just people that are walking beside me and kind of depending on what their passion is or what their heart is really for is probably what I'm picking up from them more than anything else. Um, So yeah, informal, formal, long, short, it's run the gamut for sure. Yeah, I've had different seasons that have looked differently. I think there have been seasons where I've really needed someone to help me okay, let's study this passage together. Let's meet and talk about it. And then I could ask them questions. I felt like that's really a lot, especially in those early college years of me really starting to try to grow and understand scripture on my own. There was a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like it has kind of evolved into more of, okay, let's talk about life and let me have someone who I can ask questions to, questions about motherhood or what it looks like to be a godly wife and how to how to live that out and just even uh, you know I have one friend who has been a mentor to me for a while and sometimes it just looks like going and running an errand so we can catch up and kind of talk about some stuff because our lives are so busy so we mm. have to catch up over quick moments like that so it's really just looked different in different seasons but I feel like each time no matter how if it's been something more formal or informal the lord always uses it and it's always something that i look forward to obviously being discipled and mentored has made a difference to you but it's made enough of a difference that you have decided to also disciple and mentor other people mm-hmm. so talk a little bit about what it looks like in your life now or has looked like in your life to disciple or mentor other people I can, I'll go first. So my husband and I both grew a lot in our faith in college. So we both really have a heart for college students. And so currently what 
discipleship really looks like for me is we are very involved in the college ministry at Christ Chapel. And so last night we had about 20 students over at our house, which is wonderful. And I love it. And it's so sweet. And so uh, it just, that's really what that looks like right now in the season with a new baby. And, you know, I don't have as much of that time to meet one-on-one with girls, but I've also done that in the past. But right now it looks like using my home that the Lord has given us and opening it up and providing food. And it's been mostly really easy meals lately because it's just harder to (laughs) get home from work and pick her up and cook in time. But, you know, whatever it is, the Lord is going to, it is, you know, it doesn't matter if it's some fancy food or something I pick up on the way home, but I just love being able to open my home and welcome them in. And so that's really what this season is looking like, but it's looked different in different times, but it's been really sweet to get to be, you know, have our whole family be part of it. And they love our daughter and it's just so sweet to get to see them love on her. And I'm grateful that she'll get to be around that and grow up around these Mm -hmm. girls and students that are wanting to grow in their faith and their relationship. And I hope that she gets to see that continually as she gets older and hopefully will be impacted by that as well. So. I know, I don't know if any of your college students, they probably do, will say thank you. But as you were talking, I was remembering how when I was in college, a group of us went into the home of a woman and she discipled and mentored all of us. And part of it was what she said, but part of it was just the kindness of her letting us into her life enough that we could watch and see what that looked like. And you're just taking mental notes of all of that. And I'm really grateful that you and George would do that. That's really kind. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fun. We love it. So we've been it. impacted by it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I have walked with a lot of girls, younger women, um, one-on-one, you know, and um, again, formal and informal, kind of depending on what people are interested in. You know, if they're struggling to spend time with the Lord, maybe we're looking at a book of the Bible. If they're just needing someone to walk with, we're just talking and meeting together. I think for me, though, one of my favorite places has been, um, you know, my daughter's a senior and um, I've taught her Sunday school class when she was little, but when she moved into student ministry, I started leading her small group. And so since fifth grade, I guess, I've um, walked with this group of girls that has kind of ebbed and flowed over the years a little bit, but there's probably, you know, like 12 solid members of the group, 12 seniors that um, it's just been so fun. Um, There's so much mutuality, you know, I think when you're mentoring or discipling that I'm constantly learning things from them. They say things that I'm just like, wow, mm, that was pretty much for me, you know? Um, And that's been a gift, like just to see how those relationships have grown and watching this particular group of girls mature um, to be walking with the Lord for themselves and not relying on their parents' faith. Um, it's just been really sweet. I know that you've both mentioned this, which I want to ask you about because I think it's so interesting for both of you that you use your homes mm-hmm. in the discipling and mentoring process. Mm-hmm. I don't know that everyone has to do that or that you need to do that, but because both mm-hmm. of you do, mm-hmm. I want to take not a total left turn, but spend a minute talking about why using (laughs) your home and discipling and mentoring has been important to you and how that is challenging as well. Just talk a little bit about how using your home in the mentoring process has been significant or meaningful or important to you. So I'm not naturally a servant. Like, um, I know Christina is fancy. And, um, <laughs> I don't know about that. And I love that. But um, for me, having people in our home is definitely really 
casual <laughs> um, and not super, um, not super formal. Um, I laughed because this little group of girls, especially um, in the summers when we're not meeting with HSM, they come over for dinner once a week. And, um, and it's always really, really informal, really, really casual. But I love it because I feel at home. I walked in one night after um, walking with some to the door and I came in to the kitchen and they were in my fridge digging through and, you know, <laughs> taking what they wanted out. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that they are comfortable in my home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that, that, I enjoy so much. It's just having people over. It's like when you come to my house, I'm like, oh yeah, the cups are over there. Help yourself. Because <laughs> um, it's not my natural bent. I mean, I'm selfish. Serving is not something that comes easily to me. So um, yeah, it's just sweet to have people feel at home at my home. And I feel really loved when I walk into someone's home and they just point to the mm -hmm. cabinet and say, Mm -hmm. say, I trust you enough to see whatever's in my cabinet totally. and I feel comfortable sure. enough with you to let you look in my cabinet. Yeah. Like, but I, I really like that. I also love going to someone's house when it is beautiful too. <laughs> yeah. So I can appreciate that too. I just, you don't get that in my house. So um, yeah. Well, my house growing up was that house where, you know, my mom is just naturally gifted at entertaining and she's a great hostess. And so I really learned that from her, but she was our house was the one all of our friends hung out at and my brother's friends too. Same thing. We just, that's where our friends hung out. So it was, my friends were the ones grabbing Eggo waffles out of the toaster and popping or out of the freezer and popping them in the toaster and, you know, just making themselves at home. And so I've always grown up with that aspect of, you know, the home, our house is an open place that friends can just come and hang out. And I've always wanted our house to be that way too, now that I have my own home. And so I love that aspect of that. And so I just think it's, I don't know. It's just the way I look at it is everything I have is from the Lord and he's given me this home that we have. And so I want to use that in a way that is glorifying to him. And so I always just tell the Lord in my prayers, please use our home for what you want to use it for because it's not mine, it's his. And so I just always pray that our house is a place where Jesus's name is spoken and people are able to worship him and come and feel welcomed, not just by us, but welcomed by him. And so that's really always our prayer for just even when I have parties with friends over, but especially when the college students come over or anyone else, but that's been a fun thing for me. But I will say one of the things that comes with that is I'm also, I, I don't think I would say I'm a perfectionist, but I, I like to have things feel like they're in order. It's more that I'm like type A, I think it's more really what it is. And so I feel like my house always has to be really put together. And when I have people over, and so that is hard. Like my husband would probably say, that it it is more stressful to him when we have people over because I'm like, hey, we need to do this, 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 like mm. get this together. And he's the one that has to help me do it all. And so he's like, this isn't fun for me. <laughs> but then once people are over, he's having fun and he loves it. But it's, I, you know, I put him to work and I feel like I have to have everything in order. And so really that is um, a fault on me because I feel like I'm focusing too much on, and that's just my own sin of just focusing too much on, well, I want my home to look good because it's, you know, I'm trying to make myself look good, but I, that's not, you know, that's not going to glorify the Lord. And it, I think what you were talking about is having people come in and see the pantry all messy and in disarray, like that's going to make people feel welcomed and loved. And so this season has been really sanctifying because it, I, it is so much harder for me to keep my home tidy. There's baby toys all over the floor and, you know, I just don't have as much time to pick things up. And so last night it was one of those days where 
they came over and I felt like our house was sort of in shambles, but I just went, you know what? I'm not even going to care. I'm just going to let the Lord do his thing and just not think about it and just let it go. And you know what? It was totally fine. No one said a thing about anything that was out of place. So, (laughs) but it's hard to not, um, let myself get in the way and my own desire to care what people think about me, which is not, you know, that's not what I want. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the Lord anyway. So it's, it's sanctifying for me to not have to think about that as much and just focus on what is the important part? How are people going to feel loved? Do that. I like that you just said, what is the important part? Cause I was going to ask you guys about that. Mm-hmm. Why do you disciple? Why do you mentor? Why is it so important to you? Well, because Jesus tells us to <laughs> in Matthew. <laughs> it's not it, a bad not reason. Not to say the churchy answer, but in Matthew 28, I was reading it this morning because I just wanted to make sure I was, you know, in the right frame of mind before we came to record. And, you know, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And so I read that and I'm commanded to do so. And so, you know, one of the things, like I said, we are really involved in college ministry and I grew up at Christ Chapel's college ministry. That's when I came to Christ Chapel was in college. And so um, I really sat under Ben Fuquay's teaching a lot in college. And then I've been around him through serving in the ministry as well. And he says this often, which is a good reminder. And I always need the reminder every time I hear him say it. But he says, as Christians, if you're not making disciples, what are you doing? And I just always think about that because it's so true. We have this gift and we have this knowledge of Jesus coming to save us and gives us eternal life. And if I'm just keeping that to myself, I'm not being obedient to the Lord. And I'm also not, I don't know, it's just like, do I really believe what I believe if I'm not sharing it with other people? I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think the same thing. I was looking at Timothy this morning and um, just that reminder that Paul, you know, charges Timothy to tell others what he's learned. Like, why would we not be doing that? Plus, it's just so fun. You know, I mean, I think we've talked about yeah, this before. Totally. Like, it's just really life giving mm-hmm. to be in relationship with other people and talk about Jesus. Um, it's one of my favorite things. And so, there's a part of me that always feels a little bit selfish when, yeah. when you're talking about mentoring. Cause I'm like, nah, uh-huh. I get as much out of it as anybody else does. <laughs> don't, so don't think I'm being all sacrificial over here. Um, and so, I mean, that, like, it is just joyful, even in the hard, I think, because and then you're sharing that burden, you know, and that, I mean, I've seen that in my own life, walking with people who have shared my burden um, and carried me when I needed to be carried before Jesus. Why would I not want to do that for someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. What else are we going to do, yeah. you know? That's really beautiful. I know that you... It is beautiful and is wonderful, but you acknowledged what we all know to be true is that it is hard mm-hmm. and it can be hard. And I know that you don't wake up every day and think, this is the best thing ever. There are many moments that we do, mm-hmm. but there's some that we don't. And so what has been or is hard about discipling and mentoring, at least for you personally, what have you experienced that's been challenging and maybe how have you worked through that? Um, yeah, I think... Again, like I said, I think I care too much sometimes what other people think. And so I think one of the hard parts is when you have to have a hard conversation or when you have to say something hard to someone and they don't respond well, but you feel the Lord is really putting it on your heart to kind of challenge them or push them towards scripture. And then also 
same thing is I'm not the Holy Spirit. So I have to remind myself of that constantly is I'm not the Holy Spirit. So I can't, I can be obedient to the Lord and I can share what I feel he's putting on my heart to share, but I cannot change their heart. So sometimes I'll see girls post things on Instagram of somebody, you know, someone who maybe I, I discipled years ago and they're posting something where I'm like, man, that does not look like the same person that I knew and you know they're maybe not walking with the Lord anymore and I almost take on that burden that it's my fault and I start to feel like well what could I have done differently should I have done a better job of keeping up with that person after they moved or you know and you can't you can't beat yourself up about those things because ultimately again like I said I'm not the Holy Spirit and we we have to just trust the Lord with them. And I think it's going to be, I, I see in myself that that's going to be a hard thing as my <laughs> child and future children grow up and I can't control what they do. You know, I, I can only imagine how much harder that's going to be when it's my own children. But I just have to trust that the Lord is working and using me. I'm just not, I just can't be the one to change anyone's heart because I am not the Holy Spirit. So I'm probably going to restate what you just said. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm prone to pride. It is super easy to want to please people um, or to think that I have to be the one to fix them or um, like to take myself out of that mm-hmm. equation and really learn to listen to the Spirit and not just listen to myself or my opinion. Um, and also that God is so patient with us and because I want to be quick to try to f- look at, you know, survey the scene and fix everybody's problem. Well, no, (laughs) God is patient. He does not make me fix everything that I sin in immediately, gratefully. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just, yeah, that he, um, he's slow and patient with us and I need to be slow and patient with other people. I think too, sometimes when I'm trying to do it in my own flesh, it's just hard. It's hard to make Uh things happen. It's hard to get a time together. It's hard to get traction and I think for me, a lot of times that's that place that I have to take that step back and say, maybe this isn't the time or the season or the person um, that I'm supposed to be walking with. And, you know, that feels kind of icky too sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, there's some guilt sometimes mm-hmm. associated. Like, this is a good thing. Why Why would I say no to this? But sometimes it's just not the right, like you said, it's not the right season or it's not the right time. And I think I was going to reiterate what you said. I think you hit the nail on the, on the head when you said, God is patient with us because another thing that I think is so hard is to have that patience because sometimes I'm like, ah, they're not getting it. They're so close, but they're not getting it. And I just want them to be there. But I have to remember it took me, I'm still not anywhere where I would like to be spiritually (laughs) and I still have so much growing to do, but it's taken me 11, 12 years of walking with the Lord to get to where I am now. And I'm still not even close to where I would like to be spiritually. So, and he's always continually working in us. And so I have to remind myself, like those changes don't just happen overnight. The Lord mm-hmm. is continually working in us, and it's so hard to be patient. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I know that several thoughts have come to my mm-hmm. mind, and one of them is one objection that we might could have to discipling or mentoring others is, "Well, I'm not perfect. Yes. I don't get it all right. Like I don't, I don't know enough." Mm-hmm. Like. What would you say or how would you respond to someone that says that? Or do you ever feel that way? I'm glad you asked that because, well, yes, I feel that way all the time. I mean, the fact you even asked me to be on this podcast, I'm like, why? (laughs) What do I have to say about this? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not good at it. Um, But I do have friends that I love and they are awesome, godly women and would be wonderful mentors and disciples, um, or they are disciples, but wonderful mentors of 
younger believers and I ask them all the time, would you ever consider doing this? And they respond that way. And it makes me sad because I I just want to be like, but you have so much to offer. And, you know, I think it's so easy to kind of get inside our head and think, oh, well, I don't have it all figured out. But neither do I. I mean, none of us do. Mm. Even the people that mentor me don't have it all figured out. And they're very open with that. And and they're even further along than I am. But, you know, I think that's part of it is being able to admit our shortcomings and walk alongside each other and get to see each other's mess and junk. And I think there's something that is so um, life-giving and so unifying about that of it just glorifies the Lord that he uses us in spite of our weaknesses. You know, that constantly over and over in the Bible, he uses people who have weaknesses to glorify him. And that's what he does the same thing with us, where none of us are going to be perfect. And there's going to be times where we say things and have to apologize to someone because we maybe <laughs> were in the wrong. And I think that's just, you know, the humility of that even is just part of it. And that's mm-hmm. like what you were saying earlier about it being something that is life-giving to us and changes us as well. I think that's part of it is we are also growing while we are pouring into other people. It's not just about us giving to them. You know, they're, they're, it's a two, two-sided, two-sided coin. And I think, you know, I, my encouragement to people would be, I think if you're walking with the Lord, you know, there's going to be someone who's going to benefit from, mm-hmm. from what you have to say and from your wisdom. And I think you, you know, you, like, like I was saying, you know, we're called to do it. And so I think that, you have more wisdom than you realize that you have, and the Holy Spirit is going to use you because we're not the Holy Spirit. So it's not up to us anyways. Mm, absolutely. But I think for me, like, talk to my high school students mm. because they're discipling middle schoolers, you mm. know, and like, if you think you don't aren't more mature than a 17-year-old, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, they're there, they're doing it. And they feel that same thing of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Do I have anything to offer? What am I, you know, I, I'm not much older than they are. But I mean, of the 12 girls in my group, there's probably six that are serving in that way, maybe more. Um, And yeah, I mean, if they can do it, I can do it. Anybody can do it, you know? Another uh, objection, I don't know if that's the right word, or fear that can come up is I think we can be afraid to be vulnerable with other people, be afraid to let people see that we're not perfect. And I could say that as a mentor and a mentee. Sometimes we feel that way. And Christy, I remember you telling a story recently about uh, a mentor noting your perfectionism and being able to help you through that. Would you be willing to share that story and just how someone knowing you and your vulnerability just brought truth and Mm -hmm. freedom into that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I grew up um, struggling with perfectionism and really thought, you know, that I would get it all together at some point. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and so my sweet mentor just was like, Hey, I just want to tell you, like, you're never going to arrive before eternity. And <laughs> you know, it was such a shocking <laughs> thing to me. I mean, I was just like, oh. really? Um, but I think I had just lived my life thinking that you, you know, like you get it all together eventually. And um, yeah, I'm here to say, at least at my point in life, you don't. Um, and that's okay. But like to have someone that knows you well, that can speak life into you, because I think that's the thing. You know, like our goal is always to bring healing and restoration with the Lord. And so when when I know that that's the goal of the person that I'm in relationship with, it's not scary to be honest because you know that healing's coming. It's not 
shame or guilt or you have to change now. Like it's not that. It's healing and peace and um and yeah, it makes it a whole lot less scary to be honest about the hard places in your life. Because I mean, when you're honest about them, like when I went through a really hard season in life and was so broken that I couldn't <laughs> couldn't hold it together, you know. And it was at that point I think that I started having real relationships because it was like I was honest, you know, and because um, I couldn't be anything else. And and that was freedom, you know. I mean. Amazing. Hmm. Do you have any thoughts, Christine, about how you have either been vulnerable or how how it feels and how you are able to help other people when they are vulnerable with you? Yeah, I think it's just something is so sweet about getting to be let into someone's heart or vice versa, or letting someone into your heart because you're you're telling that person, I trust you enough and I love you enough to let you into this part of my life, or I trust you enough to listen to this part of your life, you know, the mutual back and forth. But, and I think once you're able to establish that trust and that love with that person on that more vulnerable, deeper level, I think it, you, it's harder for them to, for one, it, well, it's harder for you if I'm the person being vulnerable. It's harder for me then to hide my pride or my sin and they're able to more, more, easily speak into, you're giving them license to really speak into those things. And that's where you're going to see growth if you're not being vulnerable. And I think anytime we're like, say the thing you're being vulnerable, vulnerable about is a sin struggle. You know, anytime you're bringing those things into the light, the Lord is going to work through them. But if you're keeping them in the darkness, it's going to be so much harder for the Lord to to help, I mean, obviously he can do whatever he wants to do. He he has the power to still work, but but it's going to allow the enemy to let those thoughts fester in your head so much more because you're not, you know. For example, I I said something to my husband recently because we this is I'm just going to go ahead and explain this very dramatic situation that went through my head because it is so. Once I said it out loud, I was like, "This is crazy," but I, you know you just hear crazy stories in the news and then you you just sometimes your mind wanders to the craziest places so even saying this out loud i'm recognizing this is psychotic <laughs> <laughs> but i had this we went to new york uh in august and so we took our daughter and my brother lives there so we went to go visit him and she was at the time she was like not quite six months and this is so so, so funny but like literally we have not signed our will yet. well we've signed it since but we had not signed our will yet we signed it like a week later but before we went on the trip, we still hadn't signed it. So literally my head, this is where it went. I thought, I literally can't even say this out loud because it's so funny. It's okay. I literally pictured we're on the subway. The subway gets, you know, some sort of attacked. There's like some sort of bomb or something. She's in her carrier, in her stroller. My husband and I both either are like really injured to where we're incoherent and can't help her. Someone snatches her because she's okay in the stroller. Someone snatches her and like kidnaps her. And like literally that's where my mind goes. And because I'm this new mom and I don't normally struggle with anxiety, but you know, I'll have minor anxieties because we all do. But that was like, I did not say it out loud to anyone. And I just kind of let it fester. And the more I let it fester, the more I thought, okay, this is like really starting to actually kind of make me anxious about the trip, but that's not like me. So I told my husband, and as soon as I said the words out loud, I laughed. And I was like, that is absolutely crazy ridiculous. This will never happen. And he even was like, yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, thankfully, but that's, I know that's kind of a silly example, but my point is when you're able to say things mm. in the light and you're able to speak 
speak that to someone else. People can speak into those things. And so if it's a lie that you're believing about yourself, you're allowing someone else to have the opportunity to speak truth into you. And I think those things are so life-changing because it helps you to realize, oh, I was believing this lie about myself and I don't, that's not true. And then you can help remind yourself or they can help remind you of the truth about yourself that the Lord gives us and even check in on you. And I think it's just so much more fruitful when we're able to let people in. Hmm. Let's say someone is listening and they think, I really would like a mentor. I would like a discipler. What do you look for in a good mentor? Because we could find bad ones, (laughs) you know? Um, But what do you look for in a good mentor or discipler? And or like, how do you get started into that? Like, what would you do if you're beginning and trying to figure it out? I mean, I think look around you, you know, is there someone in your life that you know to some extent who um, might could disciple you? The last woman that I asked to disciple me was in my BSF group and the Lord had put it on my heart to ask her and I wouldn't do it. And um, I was sitting in the BSF lecture one day Mm -hmm. and the teaching leader literally said, if there is, if you do not have someone in your life discipling you right now, ask them today. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Lord. <laughs> um, and I did. But I mean, I just think you've just got to see, are there people in your life that you know? Do you have friends who, you know, know someone or have a mom or mm-hmm. um, something like that? I mean, Christ Chapel does have a win- women's mentoring ministry. Like if you're struggling to find someone, ask there. Um, Christ Chapel has lots of resources for that i would absolutely. imagine all over the place absolutely yeah i would i would say the same i think to your point of you know making sure you're not having a bad mentor i think if it's someone that you're noticing is pursuing the lord you know obviously i wouldn't just ask some random person that i know but maybe isn't following the lord because then they're not going to be able to speak into your life mm-hmm. the same way someone who is pursuing christ could but i would say that you know if you have someone who you know that is pursuing the, pursuing the Lord and they're just slightly ahead of you, that's a great person. That's a great place to start and it's a great person to ask. And I, you know, I think there's so many things that I, I've heard this said before and it applies to us in our lives, but I've heard it said before when like, if you aren't, met, if you are not discipling your child, someone will be, mm-hmm. someone else will be. And I think it's the same for us. Like if we are not getting mentored or discipled, someone is discipling us, whether Mm -hmm. we're asking them to or not. So whether that's the shows we watch on Netflix or the things that we listen to, or just the the things that we surround ourselves with are all shaping how we view the world and are all shaping what we believe about ourselves and what we believe to be true. And so if you don't have someone who is coming from a biblical worldview, countering those things to help actually point you back to scripture and kind of balancing that, the lies of the world, then I think that you know, that it's going to be a lot harder for you to believe the truth of Scripture and to believe, um, you know, that you are loved by the Lord and that you are, you know, pursued and uh, He has, you know, I don't don't even know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, that He has um, died to save you because you're you're just going to be seeing yourself from a different lens. And so I think it's helpful to have that. And I, similarly to what uh, Christy said, is in college, I, there was a woman who I had asked to mentor me and it was someone who was, the Lord had just kind of kept putting her in my path. And I knew that she loved the Lord. And I just went up to her one day and asked her, 
Actually, she kind of asked me if I had a mentor. And I was like, no, it's funny that you asked that because I was actually going to ask you. you. (laughs) And then we ended up where she she did mentor me for a while. And, you know, she doesn't live in Fort Worth as much anymore. But so sadly, I don't get to meet with her as often. But she's still a big part of my life and someone who I know if I needed something, I would call her and she would walk me through it and we'd get to talk on the phone. So we still have a great, great relationship. But I think it's as simple as that. I also think, though, being mentored or mentoring, like it doesn't, it's not this life commitment either, Mm -hmm. you know, that it doesn't have to be, you don't have to find the person that's going to mentor you for the rest of your life or that you're going to mentor for the rest of their life, that it can be a season or it can be short um, and that it doesn't have to be, they don't have to hit every single mark of every single thing that you would like to grow in, you know, that it can just be for a bit here and there. I I really like that. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, I think it. Yes, we do want some people with whom we can be vulnerable. And maybe there are people you keep up with long term, but there are definitely people that you have those relationships with that are seasonal, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better phrase, Mm -hmm. that are only for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And when someone asks me if I will mentor them, often my first question is, well, what does that mean to you? Mm. Or what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. Because even the thought of discipling and mentoring people may... You'll get for different. I want to learn how to study the Bible. I want to talk through this issue in my life. I just want, and so even how we define what that looks like, mm-hmm. and I ask up first, what does that expectate? Like mm-hmm. how regularly or how whatever? Not that I don't want to say yes, but so that I can say a God given yes. I want to know mm-hmm. where they're coming from and what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it is a briefer thing, and that's totally great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I asked the question what do you do if you're wanting to be mentored? And I know some of your answer would also impact someone that thinks I need to be mentoring, discipling, because according to Christy, if you're older than a high schooler, (laughs) (laughs) known Jesus for a little while, then it's something you should be considering (laughs) or doing. And so if someone is listening and thinking, I actually need to do that, or I Mm. need to have my eyes open to the little little more, what specifically would you say to or encourage them to do? Go to the women's mentoring workshop. (laughs) Yes. Um, Or see, again, see if they're, who's around you, you know, like, is there somebody around you that um, maybe their parents live far away or um, maybe they, you know, you spend time with them anyway that you could just walk with. I mean, I, you know. You don't even have to have the label yeah. disciple or mentor on it. Yeah. Just totally. ask someone yeah. around you to lunch. Yeah. And ask yeah. them about their life yeah. and talk to them and get to know them and care for them. And something more may grow or it may be a one-time lunch, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. You yeah. might have a coworker that's a little bit younger that is, oh. you know, sits across from you, you know, and, and you just automatically have a great relationship because you – sit together at work and you can have that rapport already. And then maybe you just kind of what Kathy was saying, you just take it a step further and ask them to lunch and just get to know their, you know, get to know a little bit about them. And I think a lot of times what happens is the Lord sort of puts a soft spot on your heart for a certain person and you, and it just, that's how it's always happened for me. I feel like where I just feel almost like this nudging towards this person to just get to know their heart and care for them. And then it kind of just organically grows from there. I feel like. Great thoughts. Well, we are getting near the end of our time together. And so I want to ask 
just if you have a final thought or encouragement or something the Spirit has brought to mind while we've been chatting that maybe you haven't had a chance to say. So what would be a final thought or encouragement or story that you might want to share about mentoring or discipling? Any thoughts? (laughs) I mean, I just, I can't, I think you would say the same thing. Like, I can't imagine not living my life that way. Um, Like, Lord willing, till the last day I breathe, I want to be involved in relationships like that Mm -hmm. because it is so life-giving. There is so much joy to be had there. And, um, you know, just knowing the Lord better by knowing another person and how they walk with the Lord, such a treat. Um, Yeah. You know, it's funny you said that about, you know, you hope till you're you know, your last days that you're still pouring into people. And I feel like there are churches full of so many amazing godly women. And I feel like that's one of the things that I love about our church being so intergenerational is there are so many people you can learn from. And I see so many women doing that. And I've had that same thought of, man, I just hope, I hope that's me someday. I hope I'm that woman that is, you know, retired and still pouring into other people and using my retirement time to love on younger women. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it is such a joyful thing and such a life-giving thing to be able to have those relationships. Like you said, it's all relationships. To have those relationships with people that also grow my relationship with the Lord, I think it's a win-win all around. I love and I love listening to your stories and hearing you talk for a variety of reasons, but one of my biggest takeaways from this is that you both really want people to have Jesus. You aren't wanting them to have, yes, you want them to have other things, but you're not looking for them to have a perfect life or to Mm -hmm. do this exactly the right way or to have their home exactly like your home or have the same job or the same family situation or the same, you're not looking for them per se to be like you or to even make them like you or make them Mm -hmm. in any way other than you want them to have Jesus. And so I love that about you. And I love that your heart is that you want other people to experience that. And so my hope is that we would all be women who are looking for other women in our lives who can make us more like Jesus and give us more of Jesus. And that we are doing the same by looking at folks around us. And again, like Christy said at the outset, realizing that, um, we may think we're discipling and mentoring someone else, and we are, mm-hmm. but we're getting a lot back. Yeah. Not just the blessing of serving, but the blessing of how they walk with Jesus is something we get back, and that is gold. Mm-hmm. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being the perfect disciple and for caring for us so well. Um, or not being the perfect disciple, but you disciple perfectly. And we're grateful for how you disciple and care for us. Jesus, we want people to have more of you. And I pray for women listening that you would draw them to open their eyes to look at people around that they can give more of you to, especially in discipling and mentoring relationships. And I pray also for those of us listening who need to be discipled and mentored, that we would courageously and vulnerably um, ask the godly women around us, or just call Christ Chapel and ask um, for a mentor. We want more of you, Jesus, and we're grateful that you give us other people who point us to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.